Hey folks, welcome to Paths to Restoration, the podcast about our spiritual practices and how they can deliver us from our digital formation in our world. I'm Ed Suzeski. I'm the author of Flee, Be Silent, Pray, and Reconnect, Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction. Uh, today is a, a weird podcast. Uh, it's, it's April Fool's Day. And it's also the month of April where I was hoping to talk a little bit about um, suffering and loss. <laughs> it seems like an appropriate thing uh, while we're in the midst of a pandemic, while we're kind of going through the end of Lent and the Easter season. Uh, but we also have this weird like April Fool's Day. And, you know, I, I've been exploring a lot of thoughts about, um, you know, loss, suffering, the challenges we face uh, in preparation for this month. But then... I kind of got thrown a curveball when I realized that today's April Fool's Day. Um, and it's my custom to release a fake book every April Fool's Day. Uh, so if you drop by my website today, uh, edzeski.com, that's ed, C-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I.com, uh, and click on the blog, you'll see my new book release, uh, you know, with quote unquote new book release. Uh, tweet, use Facebook, pray, how digital spirituality wins. And so the, the the marketing copy that I wrote for it, which honestly felt a little too close to reality at times, is uh, the future is digital, heavy Bibles, deteriorating church buildings, and offline spiritual practices are fads, quickly fading into the past. If our spiritual practices are going to help us win the race to stay ahead of the pack in a rapidly changing future, then we need a reliable guide to a fully digital faith. Enter, tweet, use Facebook, pray how digital spirituality wins. Um, so I've, I've got I've got some more ridiculous copy you can read there. And then I also have links to my real books, which are on sale. Um, Flee, Be Silent, Pray, the real book, and then Reconnect are both on sale for $2.99 on Kindle and uh, for, for the whole month of, or for the whole season of Lent. And um, I also have links to all my previous uh, April Fool's Day jokes and parodies and pranks. Uh, so some of them honestly are, are better than others. I think some of them I kind of, you know, bowed to the pressure of just getting something out uh, some years when nothing just came together. But, you know, it got me thinking about how like levity and loss can kind of go together, how uh, even in our moments of grief and, you know, and suffering, uh, we do also seek to connect with each other through through humor, that it becomes, um, you know, not, not necessarily an escape, but a little bit of a release valve. I feel like uh, so many, um, uh, you know, memorials for people who have passed away, so many eulogies include a funny story or just different jokes or different, you know, moments that um, we remember someone in a funny light or in, you know, in a light where they they made us laugh or made us feel better or feel good. And, you know, so maybe in that spirit, you know, we can, <laughs> we can celebrate April Fool's Day today, uh, you know, while in the midst of some difficult things. Like, remember, like we had, we literally had like a coup attempt in our country, in America. If you're in America, we had a coup attempt um, on January 6th. Like there were people in tactical gear, uh, in military formations, you know, with, uh, you know, they were, they were beating police officers, police officers to death with like fire hydrants and things like, or fire uh, extinguishers, like, you know, like something really terrible happened in our country that was traumatic. Um, and we still haven't fully reckoned with that. I don't think, 
we have, you know, misinformation, you know, just pouring into social media and on different news channels, uh, dividing us, uh, you know, injecting fear and, and uh, confusion. Uh, we have, you know, these conspiracy theories uh, popping up all over the place. Um, and then we just have this pandemic where it's, you know, it could be going through another, another surge, even if we have the hope of vaccines. Um, you know, that's not, a, it's not a guarantee that we're out of the woods yet. It, it still could be really, really deadly. And there's still a lot of vaccine skepticism that is just needlessly being uh, circulated, especially, you know, uh, you know, in, on news sites that are not, you know, elevating science and facts and things like that. They're playing the people's fears just to get the, you know, audience engagement up. So it's, it's a distressing time. And so humor, you know, it can be like a, an escape. It can be like candy that we just gorge on, um, which I think is unhelpful, but I think there could also be moments to look at our, you know, just our quirks and some of our, our funny things to um, make light of a moment, uh, but also to, yeah, we want to remain present. We want to remain present for um, the difficult things around us, to feel them, to, to identify them, to uh, explore them, to talk about them with other people. I think that's what makes uh, the Lent season so hard for me, at least, is I, I feel like, you know, I really liked going to church on like Ash Wednesday, like even before I started attending an Episcopal church. Um, that was a really, a really, really meaningful thing for me to get together with people and, and process that, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I mean, you know, to be around other people who are feeling that experiencing that moment of, uh, the fragility of life, uh, together. And, you know, by the same token to, to on good Friday, to do the stations of the cross with other, other Christians and to be present for this time of, you know, reflecting on, uh, the extreme suffering of Jesus and, and the horrible, things that he endured for our sake. So, you know, this is, this is a difficult season. This is a difficult, uh, Lent and, uh, you know, just with the isolation with the uncertainty of, of people who are still getting the coronavirus. Um, you know, our kids probably can't be vaccinated until like younger kids can't be vaccinated until, you know, the start of next year. So, uh, there's a lot of just uncertainty and difficulties right now. And, uh, you know, one of the funny things about about humor is that it does kind of bring us together with like a shared experience, a shared language. And uh, and that's kind of where I'm going with, you know, some of my April Fool's pranks, uh, because I think that it, it does what humor can do is it can kind of, you know, show us that we're kind of on the same page or things that we hold in common or like, oh, yeah, you see that crazy thing that I that I see like, oh, cool, like that makes me like feel better. Um, it, you know, it kind of like builds a little bit of a kinship with other people. I think it makes you feel a little less alone if you can laugh at something that you both have observed together. And, uh, you know, so I don't want to think about humor as an escape, but maybe as something that could, uh, give us a little relief and also something that could also give us a sense of shared experience, a shared humanity together. Uh, there's something valuable in that. And, you know, to that end, uh, humor is really hard. And I, I stumbled into this whole April Fool's Day prank uh, idea. I can't even remember the exact thing that motivated me to do this, but I just got this idea in my head of how Christians do 
kind of like the Christian version of stuff, <laughs> you know, like, uh, or they, you know, there's either like a sermon series or whatever. It's, you know, the Christian CrossFit or the, you know, the Christian diet or, you know, whatever. Like, we like hook onto these like fads that are like huge. And it's kind of like, you can kind of cash in uh, riding the long tail of, of something, you know, that is really, really popular. Um, you know, Johnny Acuff, the, the stuff Christians like guys uh, talked about how there's the, the Christian math that like, you know, if you multiply something that's popular in the Christian circles by like a hundred, you know, it kind of like, you kind of get a sense of like its popularity in like the wider, you know, secular context, you know, there's that like, you know, how popular is it with Christians and how, how much, how far can you go with it? Um, but I started out with this idea of coffee shack theology back when my first book, coffee house theology had come out and I, I just was thinking about how there was this trend of like writing, um, you know, like kind of theological fiction and like the point really wasn't the fiction. The stories weren't amazing. Uh, the dialogue was not great uh, in a lot of these books, but there was this like, we're going to explore like tough ideas through stories. And I think people were really tired of the, like the teaching straight ahead, uh, he hit you with heavy theology approach. And it, you know, the, the shack really caught on to that and, and, you know, helped us think about, you know, this masculine idea of God versus God as uh, the tenderness of God, this idea of God as, um, you know, having these like motherly traits, uh, which are very much present in scripture, you know, uh, it's like a hen gathering her chicks, you know, to herself, like that's, you know, God, you know, being compared to a chicken, like that's, it's in the Bible. <laughs> so, you know, um, so the, the shack, you know, caught onto something in a moment that people were really ready for. And, uh, you know, so I, I had this idea of like, I was going to try to like make like a fake parody of, you know, the shack, uh, where it's like coffee house theology, but it's, you know, playing on the shack and I, you know, I, it's, it's not very organized. It's not great. But, you know, as I thought about how to do it, it's like, I didn't want to make fun of the shack. I didn't want to make fun of William Paul Young. I just wanted to, you know, kind of parody the, the Christian tendency to like rip off of stuff. And I found it was hard to kind of get that right, you know, that right uh, tone for that. And the, and the thing that I settled on was I needed to really just make fun of myself. And if I can parody myself a bit, uh, doing that Christian, you know, ripping off of stuff, then I think, you know, I felt like then this humor would, would hold a little bit better. And so, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, so I, it, it gets, it gets a little bit meta, but it's that, you know, someone, uh, reads, you know, a horrible theology book, which is my book, coffee house theology. And, and, uh, he's so sad about it that he, uh, gets an invitation to meet, um, a deity in a coffee shack. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's, this is not a great story, but the, the deity waiting for him is the masculine reformed deity who's like super duper macho and tough. And so, um, anyway, you know, people, people liked it probably more than they, they should have. <laughs> I think just because in the moment, the shack was such a huge thing. And it was just kind of funny that I was making fun of myself, but, uh, ironically, one of the people who read, read my blog back then was friends with William Paul Young. So William Paul Young read the post and, you know, commented and, and appreciated the jokes. I felt like it was mission accomplished there that I would have been horrified if he had read it and felt like I was making fun of him or attacking him. Uh, and in reality, it was just trying to parody that Christian culture. And that, that led to some kind of, 
you know, attempts of humor that weren't great over the, over the years and some of the different attempts. Um, but the, I felt like I kind of hit my stride as I, as I learned to do the parody of myself and kind of hitch it onto like a trend, right? So there was like the life-changing magic of tidying up. So I did a, a contemplation version of it. Um, I did a, I did a tribulation end times, like end times, you know, parody is just, you know, it's just, you know, never ending source of, of, uh, content for, you know, if you want to do a Christian parody. Uh, so I did, a, I did a romance, uh, end times, which I feel like we should have a lot more of that. Why not? Why don't we have more end times romance? Come on. Like, let's, let's get on that Christian publishers. You know, you can make some bank on that. Uh, but it's, I call it the tribulation of love. The beginning of the end is the end of her love's beginning, uh, which it's confusing, but if you read it slowly, it, it, it does make sense. Um, you know, I, I, the, you know, I've, I've played off of, uh, also vampire romance and, and the whole obsession about Rob Bell and hell and stuff like that. And I did a love bites, uh, a story about life, the undead and the fate of every person ever bitten by a vampire. Um, you know, so just, you know, trying to get on, you know, what is like a parody of, you know, popular culture or parody of, of Christian culture. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm making fun of Christian culture, I wanted to do it as an insider, as someone who's a part of it, who's kind of in on the joke or kind of a subject of the joke, or at least, you know, it's, it's so big and such a huge trend that we can all just kind of laugh about it that like, yeah, this is a crazy trend. Um, and it doesn't have a, a sharp critical edge or it makes people feel put down. Um, you know, so it's, I'm trying to parody my own tribe and, and our own tendencies and our quirks, but also this popular culture stuff. And so anyway, I, you know, my rules for, for humor, for trying to, you know, make jokes about our current situation is I really try to avoid attacking people. I try to, you know, it's not just about, I guess, like satire and parody should be like punching up. But I think that even then, like we can still um, if we, if we're still punching up, we're still, we can still be punching and it still can be attacking people and make people, uh, feel attacked. And, you know, there might be things to critique, but, you know, right now I feel like what we need so badly is kind of a, a shared, a shared sense of experience, a shared sense of being in something together. And I, I don't want my humor to, to add to the, like, we have enough division. We have enough <laughs> people who are offended and hurt right now. Uh, I don't want to add to that. Uh, so, you know, as you think about, about humor and, and how that can be a relief valve, uh, you know, think about how you can, you know, build community and, and build, uh, some common connections with people without, uh, alienating or leaving people feeling attacked. And, uh, that's not necessarily the most important thing, but I think it is a thing that we can do to build those connections and, and relationships. So, uh, whether you are, uh, part of a church that's meeting in person with uh, masks and other social distancing protocols or you're meeting online. Uh, I, I do wish you a uh, blessed and peaceful uh, Good Friday. I wish you a, a, a blessed and peaceful Easter. And, you know, I, I pray that we can all uh, begin gathering together soon with people uh, we care about, people we love, people who are parts of our faith communities. And, uh, you know, I, I thank you for dropping by and sharing this kind of ridiculous moment with me <laughs> talking about humor and, and loss and, and grief and, and shared our shared humanity on April Fool's Day. Um, I'll be back next week and I look forward to talking a little bit more about just how we how we get through this time of, of loss and suffering uh, and and 
how we can do it together, how we can find those paths to restoration together in our, in our communities when times are difficult. Thanks for listening.